Welcome to our Tasteful Tuesdays first chapters. Today we're going to read from an ebook that is available through Sora. It's called There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins. It's coming soon as a major motion picture on Netflix, so this might be a good one to read before it comes out. It's a heart-pounding page-turner with an outstanding cast of characters, a deliciously creepy setting, and an absolute merciless body count. So I would put this into the suspense or horror category. All right, let's go ahead and get started here. Chapter 1. The egg-shaped timer was on the welcome mat when she came home. Haley Whitehall glanced over her shoulder as if expecting someone behind her. Far in the distance, a red combine rolled through the sallow cornfields. Her father, harvest time. Her mother was still at work too, a dental technician at only practice in town. Which one of them had left it here? The decaying porch board sagged and splintered beneath Haley's shifting weight as she picked up the timer. It rattled in her hand. The day had been cold, but the plastic eggshell was warm, faintly so. Her phone rang. It was Brooke, of course. How's the blood? Haley asked. Her best friend groaned. A nightmare, Haley went inside, and the screen door banged closed behind her. Any chance that that means Mrs. Colfax will drop it? She marched straight to the kitchen, slinging her backpack onto its black and white checkered floor. Sustenance. This afternoon's rehearsal had been particularly grueling. Never, Brooke snorted. She'll never drop it. Who needs common sense when you have ambition? Haley set, the t Haley set the timer back on the countertop where it belonged and opened the refrigerator. Normally, I'd argue for ambition. But I'm really not looking forward to being drowned in corn syrup. If I had the money, I'd buy the professional-grade stuff myself. Cleaning up the auditorium will be hell, even with all the tarps and the plastic sheeting. Most, the the theater, most theater productions of Sweeney Todd used at least some amount of fake blood. Razors with hidden squeeze bulbs, gel capsules in the mouth, false clothing fronts to conceal bloodstained doubles underneath. Additionally, mayhem could be implied with red curtains or red lights or a friendly crescendo of screaming violins. Unfortunately, their high school's music director, Ms. Kovac, had an unquestionable seal for drama by all of its definitions. Last year's production of Peter Pan, for which she rented actual flying harnesses all the way from New York City, had resulted in broken bones of both Wendy and Michael Darling. This year, Miss Koufax didn't just want the demon barber to slit his customers' throats. She wanted to shower the first three rows with their blood. She referred to this section of the auditorium as the splatter belt. Brooke was the stage manager. An honor for sure, but it came with an impossible task of trying to steer Miss Colfax towards sanity. It wasn't going well. Haley held the phone to her ear with her shoulder as she loaded her arms with a package of deli-sliced turkey and provolone, 
a bag of pre-washed lettuce, and a jar of Miracle Whip. Shana must be flipping her ship. Shana is definitely flipping her ship, Brooks said. Shana was this temperamental, often volatile costume designer. It was hard enough to find decent costumes in rural Nebraska with a budget of zero, but now she had to deal with blood stain removal on top of it? Poor Shana. Haley dumped the ingredients onto the counter. She grabbed the closest loaf of bread, wheat with some kind of herb, which her mother had baked the night before. Her mother baked to relax. She used a bread maker, but still, it was nice. Poor Brooke, Brooke said. Poor Brooke, Haley agreed. And how was Jonathan today? Any better? Haley hesitated. You didn't hear him? I was running splatter tests in the parking lot. Haley was playing Mrs. Lovett, and Shana's boyfriend, Jonathan, was playing Sweeney, the female and male leads. Still only a junior, Haley had been getting leads in drama club and solos and show choir for the last two years. Both as a performer and a powerful contralto, she was simply better than her peers. A natural, impossible to overlook. Jonathan was above average and he was charismatic, which helped his stage presence. However, this particular musical was well beyond his capabilities. He was struggling with Epiphany, his most challenging solo song, for weeks. His transitions held all the smoothness of someone stumbling across a bull snake in a tool shed, but even those were nothing compared to the way that he'd been massacring his duets. Brooks seemed to sense Haley's reluctance to gossip. Oh, come on. If you don't spill, you can only make me feel guilty for venting about everybody else. It's just... Haley spread a gloppy coat of Miracle Whip onto the bread and then tossed the dirty butter knife into the sink. She'll wash it off later. We spent the entire rehearsal on a little priest and not even the whole thing. The same few bars over and over and over for two frickin' hours. Yikes. You know that part where we sing different lines simultaneously and our voices are supposed to be like tumbling over each other in excitement? When Sweeney finally figured out that Mrs. Lovett wants to dispose of his victims by baking their flesh into her pies, Brooke's voice was a wicked grin. It was a disaster. Haley carried her plate into the living room, but she didn't sit. She paced. I don't think Jonathan can do it. I mean, I seriously think his brain can't do it. He can sing in unison. He can sing in harmony. Sort of. Sort of, Haley conceded. But if someone else is singing different words, he keeps stopping and restarting, like he's trying to work through an aneurysm. Brooke laughed. It's why I left early. I felt like such a bitch, but God, I couldn't take it anymore. No one would ever call you a bitch. Haley swallowed a huge bite of turkey. It was a balancing act, cradling the phone, holding the plate, eating the sandwich, and pacing the room. But she didn't notice. She was worried. Jonathan would. Jonathan shouldn't have gotten the part. Do you think I should call him and apologize? No. No. Why? For being short with him. It's not your fault he can't handle the sodom time.
This was true, but Haley still felt ashamed for getting so frustrated, for walking out of rehearsal. She plopped onto the ancient corduroy couch, one of the many relics from when the farmhouse had belonged to her grandparents, and sighed. Brooke said something else in best friend solidarity, but Haley's phone chose that moment to do its usual thing. What'd you say? My connection is going in and out. So call me from the landline. Haley glanced at the cordless, which she perched on an end table only a few away. Too much effort. It's fine now, she lied. Brooke circled the conversation back around to her current hardships as stage manager, and Haley allowed herself to drift away. She could only hear a third of Brooke's rantings anyway. The rest was static. She star stared out the windows and finished her sandwich. The sun hung low on the horizon. It shone through the cornfields, making the brittle stalks appear soft and dull. Her father was still out there, somewhere. This time of year, he didn't let a single ray go to waste. The world looked abandoned. It was the opposite of the loud, colorful, enthusiastic group of people she'd left behind at school. So she had stuck it out. She hated the quiet isolation that permeated her house. It was exhausting in its own way. Haley made sympathetic noises into the phone, though she had no idea what she was sympathizing with, and stood. She walked her plate back to the kitchen, rinsed off the crumbs, and popped open the dishwasher. The only thing inside of it was a dirty butter knife. Haley glanced at the sink, which was empty, a frown between her brows. She put the plate into the dishwasher and shook her head. Even if we can get the sprayer working, Brooke was saying, their connection suddenly clear. I'm not sure enough people will even want to sit in the first three rows. I mean, who goes to a theater to wear ponchos and get drenched in blood? Haley sensed that her friend needed vocal reassurance. It's Halloween weekend. People will buy the tickets. They'll think it's fun. She took a step towards the stairs, towards her bedroom, and her sneaker connected with a small, hard object. It shot across the floor tiles, skidding and rattling and clatting and clanging until it smacked into the bottom of the pantry. It was the egg timer. Haley's heart stopped just for a moment. An uneasy prickling grew up under her skin as she moved towards the pantry door, which one of her parents had left ajar. 